Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 11. Let's get started. Okay. Do we have any little intro little stuff or you want me to go ahead and start? You can go ahead and start. I mean, we had, um, we're back again trying to catch up on all of the Fringe episodes that we've missed um, the past couple of weeks or actually yeah. months. We're still kind of behind. We're very behind. But <clears throat> we did have one comment after our last episode on our, our website uh-huh. from Jenny. And she says, so glad you both are back to podcasting. As a loyal listener, I was a little worried. So thanks for explaining your hiatus. Yes. So just for those who maybe didn't catch it, we were gone from the 1st of December until this past week. Yeah, and um, it was kind of a self-imposed hiatus. We apologize for leaving everybody up in the air and lingering and not, you know, getting you up to date on what we were doing and that we would actually be back. But we are. Yep. And we're catching up on all of the episodes that we missed. Yeah. So we're going to take them in order. So uh, for this week's episode, it's episode number 11 called Unearthed. Okay. We begin the episode with a woman, she's in a hospital, and a priest is giving her the last rites. And the woman's mother is, uh, this is a young girl, and and the woman's mother is standing by her side and, you know, sad and crying. And, of course, the the girl is all tubed up. She's got, she's on life support. And the doctor uh, uh, comes in, and, you know, they're trying to work with the girl, and she dies. And the doctor calls her death at 521 a.m., and the uh, the next scene, we see the, all the doctors rushing this girl to surgery because they're going to harvest her organs. And just as the surgeon cuts this girl open right on her side, he's saying, we'll start with the kidneys first. And immediately as he begins to reach inside to get that girl's kidneys, that girl sits up straight bolt up. She's awake and she's repeating this number, 68339, Alpha Echo 358. And she says that over and over and everybody's like startled, like, you know, because she was supposed to be dead. Next scene we have, we're at, of course, she's at Boston General Hospital in Boston. And then we have Olivia and Broyles and they're walking down the hall talking about this particular case. And I find it interesting that Peter and Walter are walking behind Olivia and Broyles, but the girl is, uh, her name is Lisa Donovan, and that's what Broyles and, and Olivia are discussing. She collapsed during a gym class one week ago. She had a, 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 a cerebral aneurysm, and after they determined that she was brain dead, then her mother made the decision to take her off of life support. So that is the opening scene that we saw. You know, they had just probably disconnected her. And the numbers, they found out that the numbers that the girl was uh, shouting out, it's a Navy code. So 
and it was a classified launch code for ICBM missiles. So they're wondering, hmm, how she know this? The Navy commander at the hospital, I forget what his name is, but I'll think of it in a minute. But there's a Navy commander at the hospital, and he says that they're trying to find out how this young girl knew these codes. And they, they do say that there was a sailor named Andrew Rusk who is responsible for keeping all the launch codes uh, intact, and he was re reported missing three days previously. So three days before the girl was taken off life support, he was re reported missing. Olivia questions Lisa Donovan, uh, who is a little confused, but she's awake now. And she insists that she does not recognize a picture of this uh, Andrew Rust that Olivia is, is um, showing her. And she does not remember saying any of the code. And when Olivia asks her, because Olivia shows her a picture of Andrew Rusk and she says, do you recognize this man? And she says, no, I've never seen him before in my life and I don't know anything about any codes. So then when Olivia asks Lisa if she's ever heard the name Andrew Rusk, the girl gets an odd look on her face and she starts talking in Russian. And Lisa and her mother get real scared and the mom tells Olivia and them, okay, interview's over, it's time for her, this, you know, Lisa to get her rest. So the Navy captain says that Rusk was fluent in Russian. So Olivia notices that Walter is not with them. And so Peter says, I'll go look for him. So Walter is in the coma ward. And this is a ward where all the patients are in either an actual coma or a drug-induced coma because they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And Walter is standing next to the bed, uh, uh, of a woman and and you know he's talking to this older woman and Peter uh, yells into the room Walter and Walter shushes him and says you know I'm telling this woman he's my son and despite his uh, narrow-mindedness I'm quite proud of him <laughs> so Walter is just a drip and he's talking to the woman the next scene we see Olivia is outside Lisa's hospital room and she's looking over some papers uh, at a nurse's uh, 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 station. And the mother comes out and she apologizes to Olivia if she was rude earlier, but you know, she just didn't, didn't know what to do. She just didn't want to hear any, anything else. So uh, Olivia asked the mother's permission to have Walter examine Lisa uh, to help her find who this Rusk is. And the mother is real skeptical because the mother, the mother is very, very religious. She's Catholic and she's a very uh, hardcore Catholic and she just does not believe in anything that is not of the church. Uh, Lisa goes into a restroom in her hospital room and she runs water over her hands and she's getting ready to splash the water on her face. And when Lisa looks up in the mirror, she sees the image of Rusk standing in the uh, mirror behind her and he is speaking Russian. And she, of course she goes off and she's screaming and screaming and her mother runs into the um, uh, bathroom and Lisa is clinging onto one of those railings that they have on the walls and she's just hysterical. And she's just saying the man in the picture was here. The man in the picture, you know, was, was here. And Olivia, of course, runs to the restroom too and she's just looking on like, hmm, okay. Because, you know, Olivia's in the French division so she knows that's not quite too skeptical. Next scene, we're at the federal building and Olivia and Charlie, remember Charlie, we'll talk about that in a minute, but 
Olivia and Charlie are talking about Lisa. And then Teresa Rusk is there also, and they're getting ready to interview her. And this is Rusk's wife. And she says that she does not recognize a picture of Lisa. She doesn't know who Lisa Donovan is. And Olivia asked Mrs. Rusk, or Teresa Rusk, if uh, she's heard a Russian phrase that Lisa has repeated. And Teresa says, well, this phrase that uh, Lisa has repeated is a phrase that Andrew Rusk used to say to her all the time in Russian, and it means my star, which is a pet name that her husband gave her. Hmm. Next, we're at the uh, Harvard University lab, and Walter uh, shows them an old film where he's experimenting on a subject number six. And the test was to see if cranial manipulation could increase a person's psychic ability. Uh, the theory is, or Walter says, the theory is that Lisa's aneurysm made her psychic. And so they, they wonder why Lisa is channeling Rusk. You know, where is Rusk? The next scene we have, we're at the church. And Olivia is standing outside of the sidewalk of the church because she's not going in the church. I think waiting for Lisa and her mother to come outside. So, you know, the Catholic church, when mass is over, the priest uh, uh, walks out and everybody's greeting the priest just like in a Baptist church too, you know, as they're leaving. And Olivia says that um, she, uh, you know, grabs the mother and she says that she thinks that maybe Rusk is trying to communicate psychically with Lisa and that they have a psychic connection somehow. And of course, Lisa's mother doesn't want to hear it. And she, she asks Lisa, you know, can you let, let me talk to Olivia alone and, you know, kind of go forward. So Lisa goes on off and talks to the priest while the mother uh, talks to Olivia. And the mother is asking Olivia if she's a religious woman. And, of course, Olivia says no because, you know, she's a scientist. She's seen a whole bunch of stuff. And the mother says, well, whatever happened with Lisa is over with, and Lisa uh, seems to be doing fine, and she needs to move on. So Olivia gives the mother her business card and says, okay, but, you know, call me if anything else comes up. The next scene, we're back in Harvard University lab. Olivia and Peter are looking through some books. And Peter is saying that Walter has been studying the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I've read that. It's very interesting. Because they believe that near-death experiences, people can often uh, converse with those who have already died. So Olivia gets a call from Lisa Donovan. She's kind of hysterical, who says that... Uh, the visions of this Rusk have not stopped, and she is at a place that she keeps seeing in her visions. So Olivia says, you know, where you at? We're coming to you. So Peter and Olivia, they go to this. It's like a, it's like a junk car lot. You know, all the cars are, uh, appear to be not, not operable and not running, but it's a whole bunch of them. And Lisa is kind of hiding behind this one car, and Lisa tells them that Rusk was at this location with another man and that the man killed Rusk. So Rusk is dead somewhere. So Peter look, kind of looks around and he finds a nine millimeter shell casing. So they know something happened. So, you know, they call the police. Uh, next, we see Charlie's out there and he's talking to Olivia and Olivia, uh, excuse me, Charlie takes Olivia to a car and says, okay. I think we have found our little Andrew Rusk. And he opens it up, and Andrew Rusk is in the trunk dead, and he has a head wound. So then Lisa starts screaming and having a seizure. 
Once they open that trunk and discover that Rusk is dead, she falls out and has a seizure. Mm. So the next scene, we're at uh, um, Boston General Hospital again, and Olivia is saying that Rusk died, the coroner has said, Rusk died three days ago between 5 and 7 p.m. And the doctor tells Lisa's mother, and then she is fine, and they don't know what caused the seizure. So the doctor's telling Lisa's mother, well, the seizure's over with, and we don't know what caused it, so, you know, we don't know. So Walter walks up to them in the hospital, and he asks, what time did Lisa's resurrection take place? And the mother says, just after five in the morning. So Walter seems very pleased. He's smiling, and he tells Olivia that he thinks that Rust's death and Lisa's awakening happened simultaneously, and that the energy from Rust's death was just the spark that woke Lisa up from her coma. That's what he thinks. So the priest, of course, is standing right there with the mother, and the priest says, that's absurd. You know, he's just really offended that Walter would be saying that. And Walter looks over at that priest and he says to allow him to entertain his fantasies. And Walter's a little bit rude with it, you know? So the priest cannot believe that Walter is talking about Rusk possessing Lisa. And Walter tells the priest that he would not be surprised the possession of, um, of, misdiagnosis were in fact cases of psychic phenomenon that they are now discovering. So Walter's trying to tell this priest that all those years the Catholic Church have been trying to exercise demons out of people, it was probably a psychic possession, you know, and they just misdiagnosed it. They was having some little heated words there. So Walter and the priest argue back and forth and the mother finally puts her hand on Walter's arm and says, look, if you can help my daughter, help her. And Walter says, well, I'll need for Lisa to come be transferred to my lab and I see what I can do. So the mother says, okay. And the priest looks real disgusted. He's like, mm, I can't believe she's doing this. So as Peter and Walter and Olivia are leaving the hospital, Walter says that he has no idea what he's going to do for Lisa, that he just got so mad with that priest that he just said anything. So Olivia thinks, hmm, well, maybe if Rusk was sick, Maybe that sickness was also transferred to Lisa. And maybe that's why she fell out in the gym class from the same like sickness. So next we uh, see Olivia at the FBI headquarters and Olivia is talking with the Navy commander. And the Navy commander confirms that Rusk was sick because he had been exposed to 16 hours of radiation, uh, uh, 16 hours of a radiation leak aboard a Navy vessel. And, but he was given a radiation inhibitor that was uh, experimental. So, you know, this inhibitor was supposed to help him, but it was an experimental drug. Olivia then asked to see a Rust, Rust medical records, the real ones and not the, you know, not the public ones that they be made public. So that commander seems to a little irritated that mm, she knows there's some more records out there. So he's going to have to get her the real records. Now, back at the lab, at Walter's lab, Astrid tells Walter that he has to think of something to do for Lisa. And Lisa's all, you know, laid out and strapped up and everything. And, you know, Astrid's trying to encourage, give Walter some encouragement. And Walter says, well, because Rusk had radiation poisoning and was given a synthetic drugs, 
maybe they need more of the drugs. <laughs> yeah, and Astrid looks at him like, oh yeah, he want more drugs, you know, because Walter do have a little drug problem. And he tells, Walter tells the mother that the drugs will help calm Lisa's mind and also it'd be for Rusk's mental energy to dissipate. So the mother's saying, okay, uh, but what kind of drugs are you going to give her? And Walter says, well, he's going to give her some benzodiazepine, which is a hypnotic sedative that may cause a tingling sensation. And the way he says it, it's like he's remembering, you know, what it felt like, this drug. He says, it's actually quite pleasant. Oh, he's a trip. So Walter says, besides, Lisa is 17, and I'm sure she suffered far worse by now. And that mother looks at him like, what did he just say about my daughter? <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of funny. <laughs> Olivia then asked Walter if he can have Lisa access Rust's memories before the energy fades. And Walter smiles and says, well, oh, you want to find out who killed him, huh? So Walter drinks some freshly squeezed milk from that cow. I mean, it's not cleaned up. It's not filtered. It's not strained. It's not nothing. He just milks that cow in a cup and drinks it. Ew. And then he starts this treatment on Lisa. While Lisa's uh, 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 laying there and, and Walter, you know, starts giving her the drugs and stuff, Lisa starts saying, okay, I don't think I'm going to do this because Walter is strapping down her arms and her legs. And she's getting kind of scared. And Walter's saying, okay, just relax, just relax. It, it, it's going to be fine. So Olivia asks Lisa to think about Andrew Rusk. Lisa starts fighting the restraints and she's looking real mean and she's looking real hateful. And her mother keeps calling her name, Lisa, Lisa. And Lisa looks at her mother and says, who is Lisa? I mean, it was like she was getting ready to say, who the hell is Lisa? But she didn't say it that way, but you could tell it wasn't her. So that mother kind of backs up and she's just shocked, you know. So then we have a commercial. Then back at the lab, the, uh, Walter says to increase the drugs to calm Lisa down. So they give her some more drugs. And then Walter speculates that Rusk's entire consciousness was transferred to Lisa. So Lisa Rusk, whichever she is, uh, is telling Walter that someone who was in the backseat of his car made him drive to the drunk, to that junk car lot. And then they told Rusk to get on his knees. And Rusk said that a man, whoever this person is, has lacerations on his arm. So I guess Rusk was able to scratch him up or something. So after a few seconds, then Lisa wakes up as herself. And Olivia, about that time, Olivia gets a call, phone call from Charlie, who says that the man named Jake, uh, Jake something, Jake something, I can't read the writing, but a man named Jake something was in the ER with lacerations to his arm. Oh, Selig. His name is Jake Selig. And he was in the uh, emergency room with lacerations to his arm. And Selig was also in the Navy. And he was trained in counterterrorism. So they go to a boxing gym in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And they are asking for Selig, which that's where he always frequented. And so this man, Jake, hears them asking for him, and he, of course, he runs, you know, he's running. So Charlie takes out and, and uh, uh, runs after him, and Charlie finally overcomes him and tackles him. Back at the lab, Lisa is looking at the body of Rusk, 
and the body of Rusk is wrapped in all plastic and is laid out on this table. And Peter tells her, you know, not to bother looking at the body, you know. And Lisa asks Peter for something to drink. And Peter leaves the lab to go get something to drink. Well, Walter's looking worried as he studied uh, a brain scan readout. And he says that Rusk is still in control of Lisa's mind. So the mother and Astrid come in the lab and ask Peter where Lisa is. And uh, everybody's looking and she's gone. Of course, she left the lab, you know. So next we have Charlie and Olivia. They're questioning Selig, this Jake Selig. And Selig is not saying anything. And then he says he's been in the Navy for seven years, but he never killed anyone. And the, the Selig said that he deserved to die for what he did to his wife. So he said, uh, Selig said that Jake, uh, excuse me, this Russ, Andrew Russ deserved to die for what he did to his wife. Mm -mm -mm. Lord have mercy. A tangled web we weave. Okay. The next scene we have Lisa and Russ. Lisa has went on now and she's kind of, uh, Rusk is in control of her mind. And Lisa, Rusk, they get uh, a hidden key at his apartment and he opens the door to his townhouse. So Russ goes back to his townhouse and he, he's opened the door. And he goes and, and finds this little hidden box under their wedding pictures of him and his wife, Teresa. And he puts in a code to open up the box. And of course, there's a gun in the box. So he takes the gun out and he's waiting for Teresa to come home. So she makes uh, uh, Lisa, once Teresa comes into the door, she makes... Teresa lay down, ties her up, and pours is pouring gasoline all over her. And of course, Rusk is in control of her, so and he's about to light her up. <laughs> well, in the meantime, that's not funny. Excuse me. In the meantime, while they're doing that, then we see Selig back at the uh, being interrogated, and he's telling them that Teresa hired him to kill her husband, Andrew Rusk. And Selig said that he pulled the trigger, but he told Rusk that his wife hired him to do it. So right before he pulled the trigger and shot Rusk in the head, he told him, your wife hired me to do this for, yeah, your for you. your wife says hello. Right, your wife says hello or something like that. So Rusk knows that the wife is the one that did it. So he's back at, at Rusk's house. He's done tied up Teresa Rusk. She's on the floor. He's pouring gasoline all over. He's talking crap and everything. And... Um, Peter, of course, runs in because, you know, they get there just in the nick of time. And Peter runs in. And so Lisa, the Russ person, is telling Peter to leave or they're all going to go go and die together because uh, he is definitely going to be lighting her up. And he also still has the gun, so he points the gun at Peter. And Peter talks to Lisa and tells her, uh, I know you're in there, Lisa. You got to fight. You got to fight him and everything. And about that time, Charlie enters and he shoots Lisa with a tranquilizer gun. So, knocks her out, Code. The next scene we uh, shows Walter is showing the mother, Lisa's mother, uh, Lisa's brainwave scan. And he's showing her that Rusk is gone forever, that it's now Lisa. Lisa's there. So, the mother thanks Walter so much and uh, they unhook Lisa from all these little wires and all the little uh, 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 tubes and everything. And, of course, Lisa's very grateful, too. 
and uh, uh, she knows that Rusk has left her because she feels like her old self now. So she hugs Peter, and then she hugs Olivia, and she says something to Peter like, you know, in a few years I'll be old enough or something, you know. Yeah, and I'm thinking, no, she didn't say girl, that. Please. yeah, she did. Yeah, she did say that. Anyway, next, okay, our last scene of the episode, we are downtown in, in a large city, and I'm not sure if it's Boston or where, but it's in a large city, and there's a car wreck, and there's police coming on the scene. This car is all smashed up, and the man inside, the dry, uh, sitting in the driver's seat, he's dead. He is not moving. He is all the way dead. And the officers are checking for a pulse, and they don't find anything. And then as they're getting ready to, like, you know, probably call for an ambulance or coroner or something, suddenly the man starts breathing, and he starts talking in Russian. The end. That's it. That was a very interesting Yeah, it was episode. interesting. Well, okay. For many reasons. Yeah, let's get into the let's get into the bad part. The bad part is Charlie. Charlie's dead. For well, did you okay. So when I started watching this episode, and of course I watched it late on the DVR, I'm, I go back and I stop it and I look and I say, Wait, is something off here? Something's off because Charlie's dead. Charlie's dead. Astrid's hair was long. It yeah. looked, you know, it looked like from last season. And so I go online and try to search and find mm -hmm. out what's going on. And a lot of discussion on some of the message boards were that this was the last episode from season one. Mm -hmm. But then there were some other people who had a theory that this was actually the alternate realm or maybe some kind of alternate universe because there's been there was no explanation about this being a repeat episode exactly. or a lost episode when it was aired. So I don't know what the right answer to that is. I don't think it's an alternate it jarring, universe though. because every, but because we already know in the alternate universe, it's, it's a blighted world. You know, they don't have green grass and green trees and all that. According to, to uh, that Thomas Newton guy, you know, well, not at that time, but, but it could be an alternate world that was in the past. Oh, we'll see. Well, you know what? It, if that is indeed true, then they need to explain that shit because no, that's just too dry. <laughs> but first of no, all, I don't think it's an alternate world at all. I think it's just that they put in a... They put it out of, out of sequence because, but I'm here to tell the producers or whoever might be listening who, who might be on the show. No, they won't listen. That crap is too jarring. Don't be doing that stuff anymore. I know. I, know. I was so irritated with this episode. I cannot see straight. Let me tell you, I was so irritated because I thought, oh man, this is bogus. Charlie's dead. And there's no alternate Charlie or nothing. He's gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, but other than that, it was a pretty decent episode. It was, yeah, I, I couldn't get past that, though. I couldn't get past that. I was, then... I was in it for the first, what, 10, 15 minutes, and then when they got to the FBI office and we saw Charlie, Charlie. I was like, what? Yeah. Am I miss what? Did I, no. Am I watching the right episode? I know. What's going on? I really did, did I not like that at all. And to tell you quite honestly, what I was thinking the whole time, like I was watching it, is, where's Patricia Arquette? When she gonna come on the scene? And this is just like medium. Oh, you know, it, it, it's just like medium. Oh, you mean the story? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like medium. That's the so I'm waiting for her to appear on the scene somewhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I was so I was too through with this Charlie business though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just Charlie too. I mean, Astrid's hair was longer, so it That's was true. obviously 
uh, film before the season started. And so I don't, you know, but they've incorporated it into the season like it's an actual this season episode. Yeah. So th- that's what makes it strange. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I didn't like I it. I mean, I, I didn't. This episode was okay to me. It was a throwaway that kind episode. Of just jarred me a tad yeah. bit. It and was to me. It was a throwaway episode. It didn't advance the story one bit. No. It didn't advance advance any of the characters one bit, and now, it was unnecessary. I like the girl, the Lisa, mm-hmm. and I like how it started out. Or she just wakes up speaking Russian. Right. That was kind of interesting. I couldn't stand the mama. She got on my nerves the whole episode. Why? I don't know. That woman just got on my nerves. Really? All that. Well, you know, we are Christians or Catholics or whatever. Yeah. And we don't believe in, in whatever you're telling us. It's, I just didn't believe that. And then when that dumb priest came on, <laughs> I and like that was just odd too, because when he came on the scene, it was just weird. I kept thinking, something's up with him. Well, something's up with him because he just kept lurking around, listening, to, and Walter even took them to the side, and he was still looking and lurking. And I'm thinking, what? This man just let him talk. But that's why a priest would do. First of all, he was obviously a a family friend, or at least that's the way I took it. Right. Yeah. Because she was uh, the mother was always asking him, you know. For the advice, and of course, he gave her a lot of comfort and stuff. And you know, it's quite upsetting if you have a healthy teenage girl, and then she collapses in gym class, and right. three weeks later, she gonna be dead or she dies, and you're, you're having to make it the is decision. Upsetting, but to me, I just didn't believe that she wouldn't want to understand why it happened. So they have all this stuff going on. She wakes up. She's speaking <laughs> Russian. Um, I can see the first encounter where she didn't want them to bother her. She wanted her to rest. But then when she ends up in the bathroom and sees him, I just didn't believe that she would just be so lackadaisical as to why her daughter was like that. She, you know, she got her back. I get that. She got her back um, from the dead. She was happy to have her. But then to not want to find out why and how come she was seeing all this stuff. And then, I don't know. Well, I think, being a religious person, that's completely plausible for her character. I think she would probably be the kind of person with the priest's input to look at it, uh, this is a miracle from God, right. you know, and that kind of thing. But when it kept getting, when it kept escalating and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't getting any better, and then you got these people over here and, you know, who doesn't trust the FBI? And you've got an FBI agent saying, well, yeah, but perhaps he can help you. Perhaps mm-hmm. he can help you. She want. Hey, I would too. I'd say do whatever. Oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. At that point, yeah. I just didn't so, like that. Anyway, that whole. Well, that's thing. all I got to say about this episode. Cause no, I didn't like it. Charlie's dead. Keep him dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I see it. So that's all I got to say. Yeah, and and the whole thing about him coming up, his spirit or whatever the heck it is. Um, trying to kill the wife, and he used to beat the wife, and all this. Yeah, I'm like, oh come on now. And so all this is him trying to get revenge on the wife, and mm-hmm. and and then he wakes up in another body. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't feeling this episode either. No. Really, it was a throwaway episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess that's all that we have to say about that's, this one. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Me too. Um, since we're going to continue on with our next episode, I'll go ahead and give our email address, sisterspeak at gmail.com. 
Our voicemail number is 972-692-7341 and our website is sistersinreview.com. We don't really have any feedback because as we said, we're catching up. But if you have anything you'd like to add about this episode, please do. Or if you have some explanation as to why Fox has aired this one out of sequence or if it's supposed to be an alternate, whatever, Whatever. let us know. Because apparently we just aren't getting it. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.